Man, excellent songs as usual. The Lord is risen. Man, you glad to be here today? Are you? I got three people that said amen. Let me hear an amen if you're glad to be here. Hey, it's a privilege. It is. It's a privilege to get to get up, come to church, gather, get to have a meal here in a little bit, um, and see what God's been doing in the body of Christ. Um, man, I'm excited about it. I really am. Um, hey, just to give you a little update. Um, so we last week started raising money for our building renovation, and I told you what God provides, what was the rest of it? We will do, right? Whatever He provides. So if you weren't here last week and you didn't have a chance, um, there's, a, there's a, man, I told you I, was, I forget it every single week, right? It's called a board. And what's that word that I'm supposed to call? A what? Design board. Yes, there's a design board back here that has, I cannot get that word down. Cindy has worked with me for months and I cannot remember that word. There's a design board, even a replica of what a chair would look like if we were to, uh, to have the giving go to that level. If you missed it last week, uh, we put together a whole, big, um, uh, a whole big presentation, and we kind of told the church it's going to take $120,000 to do all these things we want to do. Back there, you can see all the different materials that we're wanting, uh, but we'll do what God provides. Um, so we've had, uh, this last week, we had about $1,500 given uh, to building funds, so now we're, uh, we're about $21,500, and so as you know, September the 1st, we have a basically a $30,000 job of the floors and painting that's going to take place. Um, be, be alert to your emails, because we're putting together kind of the plan of attack of how we're actually going to do some of the demol- demolition uh, to prep for that, which will involve things such as pulling up carpet, baseboard, scraping up tile, like in the bathrooms. So there's going to be a lot of work uh, as we prepare. Uh, just already kind of letting you know the way some of it's going to work, and we're still having some ongoing discussions uh, with uh, Stephen McKee and his son, who will be doing the painting and flooring. Um, he'll start, he wants to start actually in this wing over here, right? Which will mean the first place we'll start to do demolition will be over here in this wing, carpet, trim, Scraping up tile. Has anybody ever scraped up tile before? Did that not bless your soul? Man, I can, it's like scrape up tile and take down wallpaper. Those are the two things that, that man, if you haven't done it before, you've not lived till you've done those two things. Can I get amen about that one? Man, you're, if, you never, if you've not done it, it's going to be a special treat. I guarantee you that. So anyways, that's coming up. Um, Men, we have a men's breakfast this Friday. I'm sorry, this Saturday morning. We'll feed you breakfast. We'll have a time of devotion. Um, If you can, just go ahead and allocate. If you have this, men, allocate that morning until about lunchtime. Um, And then if any women want to come up, that you're more than welcome to to help. Um, We do have some things outside that we may do, but depending if we can kind of get things settled, we may start doing some things on the inside. But we've got to... There's some things we're trying to figure out still, such as dumpster size and space that we'll be working on this week. So we'll communicate via email, but that's what's going on with that, and so we'll see what happens. Okay, this time, we're going to dismiss the Kids Club Elementary Age uh, to the Kids Club today. Teresa has that. Teresa, now, what are we studying today? We're studying still, in, we're in Genesis, right? We're in the beginning. Reviewing creation, all right. Well, now you know, parents, what to ask your kids about, what you learned today regarding creation. 
Thank you, Teresa, for doing that. Uh, in the nursery and toddler area is uh, my daughter and Han Ying are in there today working in that area. Well, hey, let's do this. Let's stand to our feet and reverence to the reading of God's Word. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians. We're doing a series, if you're a guest with us, 2 Corinthians. And we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 through 13. And the title of the message is Not Losing Heart, Part 2. Not Losing Heart, Part 2. It was a continuation of two weeks ago, Not Losing Heart, Part 1. Would you join with me um, in reading this? By the way, don't read with me. Let me just read it because I cannot read with people. All right, Verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. In every way afflicted but not crushed, perplexed but not despairing, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also might be manifest in our body. For we who live are in constant, are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. Verse 13. But having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe, Therefore, we also speak. Would you join with me in prayer to the Lord? Father, we are delighted to get to come to your presence. Thank you for your holiness. Thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for drawing us, those of us who are in Christ, to you. Would you draw those who are not in Christ this morning to you? Would they become followers of Jesus? Would they trust you as Lord and King and Savior? May they realize their sin, the rebellion. We've lied. We've stole. We've cursed mother and father. We've, we have blasphemed with our lips. We've worshipped idols. We have desired other things more than you. So, Lord, we're cut. We're, even, we're murderers, even from a position of anger. We've so been angry with people that we, we, wanna, we, we wish the worst on them. We're sinners. We need you. If there's someone who has never come to full realization, their sin, they're deserving of, of the judgment of God. Today, would this be their day? Will they follow you in believers' baptism? Bring someone, even today. We'd baptize again. Even though we may not be ready, we'll baptize again. Lord, we'd love to use that baptistry for more people who come to faith. Draw somebody. Draw somebody this week through the efforts of your people. May what you've given us and this treasure on the inside, I mean, not, we can't help but declare this where we live, work, and play. So God, do it. We have a couple other requests that we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about, just sick people. You know, Jack called in this morning. He's sick, not having a rough day. There was an email about Rusty and Reeling Gates. God bring healing uh, to these two right here. There's a profound need, we'll share it later, but that our work in Reynosa, there's, they're asking for a miracle that some funding has fallen through and they're in need of 
25,000. Um, God, only you could do this. We ask for it, that you provide it. We trust you. Even for our own needs here in this church, we, we're needy people. Thank you for the positions of weakness that we're even in in certain ways, whether it be health, whether it be finances. We're thankful. What an opportunity to find only strength in you, to depend on you, to focus more on what we have in Christ than what we have on this planet. So bless this time of your word. We, we so often lose heart, but we capture another principle from your word that will help us to strengthen our weak knees for the good work of making disciples. And God's people said, amen. Thank you. Well, hey, if we're looking at verses 7 through 12. Like I said, this is not losing heart part two. Uh, I just want to make a, a quick understanding of kind of a little bit of a review. If you remember when we preached two weeks ago, and of course, don't you remember what we talked about two weeks ago, right? Yes and amen. I mean, how could you not remember two weeks ago, right? So um, I, if you remember a little bit, we talked about not losing heart part one. And here's something we said in that message. If you, know the, if, you got, if you know the what in Christ, the what in Christ, this helps to insulate you from the quick and easy ability to lose heart. Now do this. Draw, draw your eyes back up to chapter 4, verse 1. It says this. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not, what does he say? Lose heart. Now what's interesting, if you remember... We said the reasons you don't, we don't lose heart, he doesn't lose heart. Chapter 4, verse 1, we don't lose heart. Really, if you look at chapter 3, verse 18, look up at it. It's this ongoing process of sanctification that starts at salvation, goes all the way to the time that the Lord brings us to glory. He says in verse 18, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being, what's it say, church? Transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. So he says then in verse chapter 4, verse 1, we have this ministry, we have received mercy, we don't lose heart. So Paul says, we don't lose heart, I don't lose heart in this ministry that I have, very difficult ministry, he's done a lot of ministry to these Corinthians, and they've done a lot of wrong back to him, he's grown better and not bitter, and so he says we don't lose heart in this work. We read a couple of different things last week, and we might look at it again, This we might read these texts again of all the hardships he's gone through, if there was ever a person that had a justification for saying, I am depressed, it was Paul, right? But I, I want you to understand that even Paul, all the physical stuff that goes on with him, although it, it brought very downcast, it actually didn't sink him in the end. Because Paul was more than just biology. Just a side note. We say this so much in our kind of society. I'm depressed. I have depression. And uh, I find this a score of times. People are only thinking of that idea of depression as purely biological. And the only solutions people will often seek is only biological. Now, when you look at the totality of Scripture, you actually find there are several contributing factors to depressive feelings. Sometimes it is biological, but sometimes it's God may be doing something unique in your life. There also may be the attacks of Satan. It also may, you know, also maybe have contributing factors from how others have sinned against you. And it also, and I know this is a really bad word, it might be our own sin. I know. 
Isn't that terrible, right? How unloving to even suggest that. These are five contributing factors that often you could have more than one of these when it comes to the idea of depression. If there's ever somebody who we could say had a medical case of, right, of depression, something biological, it would be Paul. If there's ever someone that we would go, man, lose heart, it would be Paul. But Paul says, we don't lose heart. Why, why is that? Well, because... He's looking at the what in Christ. He's looking at his what in Christ. Go back to chapter 3, verse 18. Look at it. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. The veil is off. He is continually growing and sanctifying in Christ. He is getting a better and fuller picture of who Christ is. It is transforming him from the inside to the out. That doesn't mean that bad things aren't going on on the outside. It just means that there's something inherently very valuable on the inside that's providing the strength. And he says in verse 1, Therefore we do not, therefore we have this ministry. This is apostolic ministry, but we can make a general application as we have received mercy we don't lose heart. So we discovered that's why I didn't lose heart. Now, go to chapter 4, verse 6. We ended the sermon two weeks ago, of which we all remember, right? Verse 6. By the way, if you're a guest with us here today, sometimes I'm just being sarcastic. Uh, you know, so I don't know if everybody remembers two weeks ago. Do you remember two weeks ago? Can anybody remember yesterday? Have you ever got up and thought, what did I do yesterday? And you can't even remember what you did yesterday? Never happened to me. Verse 6. For God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Now, in the face of Christ. Now, here's what happened in verse 6. He ended it with, we don't lose heart, chapter 4, verse 1, because we know the what, the what in Christ. That's verse 18, the process of sanctification. God is using all things to transform us into his image. If you're a person who's struggling with the feelings of depression, you start to understand things differently when you see that God is using all these factors to conform us to his image, right? The physical things, the attacks of Satan, what God is sovereignly doing in our life, how others have sinned against us, how we deal with our own sin. God is using all these things to uniquely draw us and conform us to his image, as we are being strengthened on the inside, that helps us strengthen us on the outside. Our outer person may be wasting away, but our inner person is continuing to transform. And it's having an effect on the outside, where he says in chapter 4, verse 1, we do not lose heart. Now, he knows the what, verse 18, chapter 3, verse 18. He knows the what, chapter 4, verse 6. You've got salvation in chapter 4, verse 6. You've got sanctification in chapter 3, verse 18. So he knows these two inner things. He knows the what. If you know the what, it's amazing what can happen in your life. He knows the what. Therefore, he's not discouraged by all the false teaching that has, been, that has happened that has caused many of these Corinthians in the past, although less of them now, to doubt his ministry among them. If you know the what, you can be okay. If you don't know the what in Christ, then it's really hard. If you don't know the what in Christ, you'll base your significance and you'll base everything on life on what you have, what others think about you. You'll be worried and stressed. In, in anything that you lose in life, you'll consider it as loss. But when you know the what in Christ, what you have in Christ, it changes all perspective in life. That's When you know the what in life, you can be like Paul who says, All right, you're going to beat me? Great. I get to suffer shame for his name. Oh, you're going to lock me up? Great. 
I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus and win all the Roman guard, right? Oh, you want to kill me? Great. I can be with Jesus, which is far better. This is what happens when someone has, knows their what in Christ, what you have in Christ. It changes all perspective. You don't lose heart. Have we lost heart? Are we here today? Are you here today? Are we here today? And we've lost heart? Have we lost heart? Sometimes that's a description of many of us, isn't it? And oftentimes, and this is just what I hear on, on common. I mean, if you're listening online, if you're here, I mean, just I hear this thing all the time of I'm depressed. Now, this isn't a message on depression. I'm just using that because that's what's common in our, in our language. And, that, and I would say, when, you, when we say that word, my, my first kind of question is, in this moment, when we first have that feeling, are we asking ourselves the question, do we know our what in Christ? Do we know our what in Christ? We know our what in Christ, although it isn't difficult, although life can still be difficult, in the end, we don't completely lose heart. If we have verse 6, light shall shine out of darkness. It is the one who is shown in our hearts. We have salvation, Paul says, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have salvation. We want to tell others about this salvation. Now go to verse 7. Now we're ready for verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. So he says, we've got a treasure in earthly vessels, earthly pottery. In their day, pottery was how you did a lot of things, and you put a lot of things in pottery. Um, you would put the most despised things you would put in pottery, and you could put very valuable things in pottery. Now, the interesting thing about the pottery of that day is you could have the prettiest pottery, but that pottery, that piece of that pot is really only, the value of that pot really most of the time depended on what was on the inside of it, right? Now he says this, verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Interesting. He says, but we have pottery, but the most valuable part of this pottery is the treasure on the inside. So this is not losing heart part two. How does a person not lose heart? Well, they don't lose heart when they realize the value of what's on the inside, even though the outside may be having difficulties. This is how we don't lose heart. Now, have you been wondering what this thing is right here? Or can you see this? Have you been wondering what this thing is? All right. You got any guesses what we're going to do with this? Is there any part of you that thinks, I bet Nick's going to break that and throw that on the ground and shatter it to a million pieces? Anybody thought that, right? Anybody hoping for that? Or maybe you've thought, you know what? Nick's going to light that thing on fire, right? Just a big ball of flame. Y'all probably haven't thought that, right? And just show you how to make it, right? Just in one, it could, it could be that, right? Although setting it on fire would be a really cool idea, right? Should you play with fire? No, but sometimes it's really fun. Do y'all not feel that way? Is there anybody who loves fire? Does anybody love fire here, right? So last night we're having... Um, Trinity's, Trinity's birthday is this Wednesday, right? Does everybody want to say happy birthday, Trinity, ahead of time? Happy, happy birthday, Trinity. Or you could say happy birthday. She has another name that she likes to go by sometimes. It's Breezy, right? We don't really call her that much, but um, if you know Trinity, she almost seems like a Breezy, right? So um, Breezy, I know you're thinking like, what kind of name is that? Well, 
when Cindy and I were getting down to our final names, my number one name for Trinity was going to be Breezy, right? Because I just thought it'd be cool to be called Breezy Brown, right? I just thought that'd be a, a, like fun. Like how fun would that be? Like someone who just like, you know, like just likes to hang out, have a good time. So if you know Trinity's personality and what she's kind of like, you would say, yeah, I could see Breezy right there. So we're, but Wednesday's a pretty busy day this week, so we decided to celebrate her birthday yesterday. Um, we went to a, uh, it's only been open for four years. There's a safari park in Tennessee that's, it's pretty good, but this is a really good one in Mississippi, um, right there in Como, Mississippi. So we went there yesterday, got to, and she's got some great pictures where, I mean, we had a giraffe that just stuck its head right inside the car from the roof and just stuck its head in there and just kept sticking that long tongue into the bag and eating, right? It was, it was just like a really fun day. So by the end of the day, <laughs> some of you are like, not having that, not doing it, right? Um, we had a, um, uh, man, it was just a fun day. So at the very end of the day, we're singing happy birthday, doing the candles and, um, and, uh, the candles we get all have a different color when you light it. Have you ever seen candles that are all different color flames? But then the thought was how cool would that if we bound all that together and lit it at one time? Yeah. Collectively, though, as the head of the house, I'm the representative of all. <laughs> and let me tell you, it was awesome, right? This big flame all together. I had no point to that. I just wanted to pull you back in. Wouldn't it be cool if we just lit this thing on fire? I just love fire. Not going to do that. But there is a point to this. Um, and no, I'm not going to break it if my hands hold true, right? But this is a piece of pottery, right? This is a piece of pottery. And I think this piece of pottery really actually speaks a lot to this text. And we'll walk through this idea. But I want to point a couple things. If you look back at chapter, chapter 4, verse 8. Look at verse 8. First, let's look at the externals, right? Now remember, what we're doing is how not to lose heart. He's already given us chapter 3, verse 18, chapter 4, verse 6. In light of the salvation of Christ, in light of the light shining out of darkness has shown into their hearts. They're giving this knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. They have it, they're giving it. He says in verse 7, by this we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So he, we have this treasure. Now I'm going to go back and forth through some verses, so hang with me. But first let's look at the external. Look in verse 8. He compares their, what they have in Christ to a treasure, but that treasure to earthen vessels, earthly vessels. Now let's look at Paul's earthly vessel, the externals of his earthly vessel. It says in verse 8, this earthly vessel in every way, what does it say? In every way what? Verse 8. Afflicted. So Paul as a vessel, if you're looking from the outside, right, the external of Paul, it doesn't look this nice and white and clean, right? I mean, things weren't completely perfect, right? Now keep looking. In verse 8, he says, in every way afflicted, then he says, perplexed. There's another one, perplexed. And only that does he say perplexed. Later in the verse, he says, persecuted. In verse 9, look at verse 9, persecuted. This earthly vessel doesn't look externally perfect. Struck down, he says struck down, this earthly vessel. Has a lot of Mars on it. Doesn't look as perfect as one might think. The external. If you look in verse 10, he says this, always carrying about in the body 
the dying of Jesus. Isn't that interesting? More external. The external part doesn't look exactly perfect, the external. But yet, he doesn't lose heart. Get that. He says it not only in chapter 4, verse 1, but we'll look at next week in chapter 4, verse 16. He says we do not lose heart. Interesting. If you or I were afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, caring about in our body the dying of Jesus, we would probably be losing heart, wouldn't we? So let's look. Keep looking. Look in verse 11. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. Once again, that's a pretty persecuted life. Already, this is the external of the pottery that we're talking about, the vessel. And here's what he's saying. I do not lose heart, although all these difficulties are happening. By the way, this this is kind of a sanitary passage in the sense of he hasn't gotten into what's all the difficult things. We read this last week, but I want you to see it again. Many different places he describes some of the difficulties, but go over to uh, chapter 11 and verse 23. You remember what he said in chapter 11, verse 23? He says, now by the way, just remember in context, he's he's giving a reason why the false apostles, false teachers who say... Paul's ministry isn't legit because he's suffering. If he was suffering, then this suffering means that God hasn't blessed his ministries. Paul's actually saying, no, actually, by my weakness, depending on Christ's strength, shows the legitimacy of my ministry, not all that glitters is gold, which is kind of the idea that these false apostles are telling you as they're mixing in Jewish legalism, Judaizing with the gospel. He says in verse 23, Are they ministers of Christ speaking to these false teachers? I speak as if insane, I more so. He doesn't like that he's having to defend himself. He has to do it for the good of the Corinthians. He says, in far more labors, imprisonments, beatings without number, and frequent danger of death. What does the outside of the vessel for Paul look like? I mean, frequent dangers, death, imprisonments, beatings. That's quite a bit, isn't it? Look at the external. And how can he say in the text twice of chapter 4, I don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. If it was you and I, all these external things would cause us to lose heart, wouldn't it? Now keep looking, verse 24. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes save one. That basically means you were one lash away from death. Five lashes, three, four, five. Look at the external, all the things that have come upon him. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Well, how light is that, right? Just to be beaten by rods. One, two, three. Look at all this external damage that's happening. And he can say, I don't lose heart. I have been in frequent journeys in dangers from rivers and robbers and countrymen, from Gentiles, the city, dangers in desolate places, dangers in the sea, dangers from false brethren. Can you imagine all the external issues and difficulties that were going on, and yet he could say, I don't lose heart, all the external things going on on this vessel? He says in verse 27, I have been in labor and hardship and many sleepless nights in starvation and thirst, often hunger and cold and without enough clothing. Man, more external So the outside of the vessel of Paul, in fact, one of their accusations about Paul was that his bodily presence was weak and his speech contemptible. 
They even accused his presentation of actually his ministry. When you saw him in person, the accusation of the false teachers and the Corinthians was, hey, this guy's not much to look at. In fact, he's not even much to hear. Then he says this in verse 28. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for the churches. Although that's nothing physically happening, if you've ever been concerned for something, has a concern in life ever affected you externally? Anybody ever? I mean, have you ever lost sleep or lost a really clear thinking day by being really concerned about something that was happening with someone you love or a situation in life? So, there you are right there. Not a very clear-looking external vessel. And yet Paul says, I don't lose hope. We don't lose hope. How could he say we don't lose hope when the outside looks so terrible? Now go back to chapter 4. Chapter 4. Wouldn't this break us? Wouldn't this break me? Wouldn't this break you? I mean, I'm telling you, our culture, we are so brittle that one-eighth of what Paul went through, we would already say, let's curse God and die, wouldn't we? I mean, we'd be out. We would be completely broken if this kind of external pressure was on us. But notice, it doesn't break him. Look in chapter, look in chapter 4, verse 8. He says, in every way afflicted, but he's not what? He's not crushed. Which means all this affliction, right, has not resulted in him being broke, right? That, did that scare you? Did it make you think I was about to break it? No? Okay, I thought it would. Never mind. He also says this, perplexed, but he's not doing what? What is he not doing? Despairing. So the external's bad, but it's not actually crushing me. It's not bringing him to ultimate despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. The external have struck down, but he is ultimately in, but not what? So the external was bad, but it didn't break him. For most of our culture and society and many who name Christ, all that Paul went through, an eighth of it, we would have already been broken. We would have said, that's it. Why I love this God? Why do anything? Why keep speaking the gospel? Why make disciples? Why be generous to others? Why sacrifice myself for my wife and kids? Why walk in God's pattern of how a godly marriage and family look like? Why, why walk in submission? Why, why, do, why walk in submission to an eldership? Why, I mean, why be giving of my life? Why sacrifice? Why do any of these things? Why give my resources? Why serve others? Why serve my neighbors? Why provide and cook meals? Why do all these things? Why study the Bible? All these external things, for most of us, were so brittle, an eighth of it, we would have just been broken. That's it. We would have been despaired. We would have been destroyed. But yet he says two times in this text, we don't lose hope. We don't lose hope. Although the external was bad, the externals did not break him. And why did the externals not break him? Look in verse 7. But we have this, what does it say? Treasure. Does anybody like treasure? Does anybody like treasure? Well, we don't really dig. We don't really know what treasure is. But let's say this. If you've ever, if you've ever had a time in life where you've maybe had money in the stock market, right? And you kind of looked at it at the beginning of the day, 
in the end of the day. It was a lot larger than it was in the beginning of the day. Do you remember that feeling of euphoria? Do you remember that feeling, right? All right? Are you kind of thinking like, that has never happened to me, Nick? Not, not once. Well, then, you should probably not ever do that again, right? Just put in a 401k and forget about it. But he says this. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So why did the, the externals were bad? The externals didn't break him. I mean, if any of us, it, it, it seemed like it would have. But why did not break him? Because what was inside was so valuable. The treasure in verse 7 that's inside this earthly vessel, the treasure is verse 6. For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. What's his treasure? It's verse 6. He says, I've got something more valuable on the inside. I've got something internally that is insulating me ultimately from all the damages that are happening externally. He's got chapter 3, verse 18, that we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. The difficult things that are happening and will happen in all of our lives, if we've got chapter 3, verse 18, we can know that God is using all these things to conform us to his image. All the difficulties conform us to his image. When we know, when we know what we have in Christ, we know the what in Christ, it does a lot for the, as it makes its way to the exterior. He doesn't lose heart. Because what is on the inside is so valuable. Now, is there anything on the inside of this? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, he's got Jesus on the inside, the ultimate treasure, right? He's got Jesus on the inside. So, yeah, there's stuff inside of it. And just to kind of give you the, uh, you know, ooh, something jumped out, right? That's actually, that's actually part of the, you know, we'll, we'll lose some treasure here in a minute, right? So there's some treasure on the inside. There's something valuable in the inside. This is why he doesn't break. Because what is inside of him is greater, more valuable, is worth everything. A lot of times we lose hope in life. Because Jesus truly isn't our treasure. He isn't the pleasure. He isn't the focal desire of our heart and soul. This is why, I, this is why spending time with the Lord, singing to the Lord, praying to the Lord, worshiping the Lord, serving others, using our giftings, gathering with the church body, um, confessing sin, all, forgiving others of their sin against you. Why are all these things so kind of important? Because they're part of that valuable aspect of treasuring Christ. A person that doesn't forgive a per anybody of sin, a person doesn't forgive others, is simply a person that's not treasuring Christ. A person that thinks that life is only good if they get everything they've ever wanted is a person who's not treasuring Christ. It's that person who in the end will lose heart. Paul has so much thing, so many things happen externally that he doesn't break ultimately because there's a greater treasure on the inside. Now keep looking at verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. Here's one of the great things about when the outward vessel is not looking too great, but Jesus is more and more the treasure. In the, here's what happens. When he becomes the greater treasure, every bit of difficulty like you see in verse 7 it starts to be all about God's glory, not about us. All about God's glory, not about us. And by the way, this is how one person knows 
that, hey, wait a minute, there's all these things had in my life, I just think I can't take it anymore, I just think, I got, I'm just going to lose heart and give up. But I would tell you this, if Jesus is the treasure on the inside, all of a sudden we start seeing every difficulty is not really even about us. It's about the glory of God and what he's going to do with all these earthly difficulties. It's about, the, it's about how can this happen where his glory, the glory of the gospel, can be spread to my family and friends and nation, how God can use me all the way to glory. That's why he says, verse 7, the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. He's given it to us. He says, verse 18, we're being transformed into his image. So now he can say in verse 7, the greatness of God's power is not in, in ourselves but in God. And this is what I love. The whole theme of 2 Corinthians, right? The gospel, this is our, our tagline kind of for the whole thing. We're calling 2 Corinthians the gospel for the what? For the what? For the weak. The gospel for the weak. He's saying outwardly we're pretty weak, but inwardly we're stronger than ever. And because inwardly we're stronger than ever, we're not breaking. I mean, we're bruised, but we're not broken. Now keep looking at chapter, 10, at chapter 4, look in verse 10. He says, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus. Then look what he says. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. Here's what's interesting. How does a person know that they are treasuring Christ on the inside. Well, when bad things happen, when they start to get bruised, they, instead of breaking, they actually grow better and they actually realize all this is happening to conform to his image for the glory of God, for the pro- pro- proclamation of who he is and what he's like the, and, and the spread of the gospel. This changes everything, right? Now, here's another way to know. When bad things happen... If Jesus is a treasure, all glory goes to him. But then also, we'll find ourselves unable to hold in the treasure, right? Look at the text. Look at it. We'll be able to, unable to hold in the treasure. Look in verse 10. Look at it. He says this. Always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be, what does it say? Manifest in our body. Meaning you're going to see it. You're going to see it come out. Although I'm suffering, I'm suffering well. Verse 11, For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So he's saying, all this is happening because what's on the inside is going to make its way to the outside. The treasure that I have right here, look in verse 12, So death works us, but life in you, verse 13, but having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. He's quoting from Psalm 116. We also believe, therefore we also, what? So here's what he says. The external is pretty bad. But Jesus is the treasure. I'm broken, but not destroyed. Broken, bruised, but not broken. Because there's a treasure on the inside. He is the pleasure, the treasure. And I will see this reflected in that all of life is about the glory of God and conforming to his image. But not only that, here's another internal evidence. I can't help but give out the treasure. All right? Look at this. Front row Baptist, right? Way to go, guys. Hold your hands out for me. Just hold those hands out. Put them together. Okay, so this is what it looks like, right? You got treasure right here. Look at this. Don't you like that, huh? Here's the deal. 
How cool is it to come to church and make money while you're in church, right? How, how cool is this? How cool is this? Don't y'all want to just sit on the front row now? Look at this. Do you feel like Scrooge McDuck right now, right? Just kind of like swimming in it, right? Here's the problem. A lot of us can't do this because there's nothing inside. You can't, you can't give out Jesus if Jesus isn't there, right? There's got to be a place where we're saying he's the treasure, he's the pleasure, he's the joy. And as a result of that, you can't help but do anything but declare who and what he's like. Let's get ourselves, let's, 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 let's draw it in for this idea. I'm noticing my life, and I'm noticing others. The times in life where I've been most losing heart, it's reflected in this idea of I don't tell others about him, I don't declare his glory of what he's like, I don't joy in him, I don't celebrate him. It's like there's no treasure to give out. It's just an empty vessel. And when the vessel is empty, that's when it breaks. When the vessel is empty, that's when you lose heart. So Paul says, I don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. And once again, we're not talking about some guy who is on some perch somewhere and not affected by anything. We're talking about a guy who has experienced more external pressure. I'll be willing to say this, more external pressure than any of us in this room Anybody listening to this sermon online, anybody who might listen to this and listen to this from someone else, I I just don't know anybody else who has experienced the level of what Paul has, and he says, we don't lose heart. Because he had the treasure. When we have the treasure, it changes everything. Does that mean we live by this motto of just don't worry, be happy, pie in the sky, nothing's wrong? No, no. He clearly talks about what is wrong, right? But then he says, I don't lose heart. God has a purpose. He has saved me for himself. To him be the glory. There is only one type of people on this planet that have the ability. We are outsiders. No one can do what we can do. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We are the only people in life who grow, who grow better and not bitter. We're the only people. We're the only people that we can suffer for his name and declare him even more. In fact, I would even tell you this. We're the only people that the more we are suffering, the greater the power of God, the greater the proclamation of who he is. If you look in all of history, when Christianity gets persecuted, it rises up and it declares the gospel even stronger than it did before. That's how we can, he can say we don't lose heart. Because although the external is, looks pretty bad, there's something even better on the inside. Would you stand together and can we ask God as we're going to have a song, we're going to sing a song to kind of give ourselves a chance to think about what the Lord has showed us. Would you think this together? How has what we talked about today How is this going to impact our life today, this week? What we've read in the text, what we've learned. How will this impact our life? How will this change who we tell about the Lord? How will this change about those we disciple? How will it change when we have difficult disciples? How will this change things? How will this change how we look at the glory of God? I'll end with this. Um, If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and King, you're not a Christian, 
I want to, with all my soul, with all my heart, let me emphasize something to you right now. When I became a believer in Jesus at 16, I placed my faith in the finished work of Christ. And I'm not going to promise you your life is going to be perfect if you come to Christ. But I will tell you that when you are in Christ, when the difficulties come, you have something greater on the inside to glory in than all the trappings of the outside. I don't know where I would be today if I didn't have Christ. Christ not only saved me from hell, but he saved me unto himself. And I, life hasn't been perfect, but I'm definitely not bitter about it. Would you pray with me? First, as we close out and pray, I just want to pray for that person who may be here without Christ, who doesn't know the Lord, who has never trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe the Lord's calling you. Listen, friend, if you're here, this is the prayer of kind of what I prayed when I knew God was dealing with me. A prayer went like this. You can pray this in your own soul. You can follow along in your own soul with me. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I've broken your commandments. I have rebelled against you. I know that I deserve your judgment. I deserve hell. That's what I deserve. That's what I get. But you came and lived a perfect life for my imperfect life. You lived a righteous life, and I lived an unrighteous life. Thank you for going to the cross, taking my sins. Thank you for going to the cross and suffering the judgment in my place. Thank you for the exchange of your perfect life, dying for my sin, then giving me your, the account, your righteous life on my account. I trust you as Lord and King. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for saving me. Come into my life. Be my Lord and King. Be my Savior. Let me follow you and live life unto you. In Jesus' name, amen.